This message is from Rock of Ages Lutheran Church in Payson, Arizona, May 21st, 2023. Acts 1, 12-26 It was about a, a year ago that something exploded on social media which caused a lot of disturbance for a lot of Christians. It was a man, a pastor, who was part of a prominent non-denominational church in Indiana. And during one of the church meetings, as they were gathered for a conference, he decided to announce his stepping down. And it was because, as he admitted, he had secretly had an affair 20 years earlier. Congregation and the, the people gathered were, of course, distraught to hear such terrible news. But he had confessed his wrong, and it was 20 years ago, and he admitted that it was wrong. And it was a one-time thing, or at least so he said. As the camera continued to roll, and this was being broadcast to the rest of the world, later shared on social media, one of the church members decided to call him to account and stood up, and and she said, no, it wasn't a one-time thing. I was one of them. And she revealed that he actually had groomed her and had abused her over nine years when she was a minor. And this was put on social media. And you can imagine the destruction it caused for this man who himself had acquired $6.5 million of worth in his ministry and had exploited his flock for so long. And it came crashing down, not just for him, but for so many who had trusted him. It happens. Exploitation, deceit, betrayal, abuse happens in positions of leadership and even within the church. Maybe some of you have experienced that to some degree. How does the church move past that sort of betrayal, that sort of deceit, that backstabbing, that abuse and exploitation? We know that that man, John, wasn't John Lowe in Indiana. He wasn't the first one who had deceived and abused and betrayed the church. We can actually go back to the very start of the Christian church, can't we? And there we see how the church, right off the bat, before anything happened, at their first recorded meeting of the church, had to deal with betrayal and deceit and greed and abuse. And as we look at that today, we'll see how Jesus lives. And despite the pain and the hurt and the the trials that the church might face from its abusive leaders, our Lord who leads his flock, lives, and he lives to carry us and carry his church past all trials. That's what we'll see as we look at the start of the book of Acts. And there we see probably what you'd have to argue is one of the greatest cases of abuse. Not to downplay the sexual immorality of someone like John Lowe or the abuse that others have faced in the church, but but look at this. Judas who was in a high position, who can argue that they had a higher position of authority than Judas? One of the 12, Peter in his speech here says, he was counted among us. Judas held one of the highest positions of leadership and privilege and authority in the church. And yet what do we see? It's revealed, not here, but throughout the scripture that he was a thief and he, he helped himself to the money that they trusted him with. But far worse than that, his greed and exploitation meant that he was willing to sell out Jesus, to betray him. Of course, we know what happened. The horrible account that Scripture doesn't ignore. 
but it brings out one of the twelve betrayed Jesus. And it not only betrayed and abused him, but sold him off to be bound, imprisoned, and to suffer one of the worst forms of torture really ever devised, as Jesus was made to hang on the cross, betrayed by one of his own. That must have set them back. That must have caught the disciples by surprise. And that brings us here now, 40 days after that had happened. And we have what's one of the first recorded meetings of the believers 40 days after this abuse. Now, I don't, I don't know what exactly all of you have faced in the past from various people in authority or even within the church. Of course, I've heard many come up to me in the, the past about what they faced from various church leaders throughout their lives and, and the abuse or deceit that they faced. And I don't know what you have faced, but I'm sure you're familiar with how corruption comes from within betrayal, exploitation, and abuse. And I'm sure you're familiar with the pain that can come from that. How do we handle that? First of all, Peter doesn't ignore it. Scandals like that with John Lowe and others sometimes are, are hidden by the church leadership or, or the, the church council or church body to some such luck as kind of hush about it and, and not let the word be known. Well, John Lowe had no such luck as it was broadcast on the internet. But Peter recognizes when, when there is this type of event happening in the church, when a leader goes astray, it's not something to hide. So we read, as Peter's gathered with the believers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, Brothers and sisters, this is not just Peter casually talking to the church. This is Peter with the gathered body of believers standing up and addressing them as he's about to address a problem that they faced and he's about to come up with how they're to move forward. Peter, a leader in the church, one of the 12. And actually, the NIV does us a disservice here when it says, brothers and sisters, because Peter actually literally says brothers, and then the word is men. This is an official meeting of the church for those who are in a position of leadership, who have gathered in that leadership role to handle a catastrophe. And how do they do it? Peter doesn't say, we, we got to kind of be hush-hush. People can't get word of this, that, that one of our own betrayed Jesus. That just wouldn't do. No, Peter brings it right out there, and it's recorded on Scripture. Brothers and sisters, scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. And then, whether Peter continues here or Luke inserts this parenthetically, it continues. With the payment Judas received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field, that is, was purchased with that money. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called that field in their language, Akadama, that is, the field of blood. Notice Peter doesn't just not only not hide the fact that one of their own had betrayed Jesus, he brings out the fact that this was a horrible thing. And it's recorded on the pages of Scripture, the horrible outcome for Judas. Yes, there is forgiveness, but for Judas, there was only despair and ruin. And that too is recorded. 
Of course, Peter wouldn't be the first, would he? We see men like Eli in the Old Testament, supposed to be the priest over the temple, and his sons are sleeping with the woman at the tent of meeting. Eli does nothing. There is nepotism and corruption in the church. And then later on, when Saul becomes king under the prophet Samuel, Saul decides to go his own way. Oh, what about David? Wasn't David a godly leader, the best king Israel ever had? And then we see recorded on the pages of Scripture, David's scandal, trying to hide his sin, his corruption, his exploitation of those he served, and his great evil. It's there among God's church, the fallen leaders who, as Peter writes in his letter, in their greed, exploit the flock. What is the church to do? Well, Peter goes on. Peter explained, For it is written in the Psalms, May his place be deserted. Let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. First of all, I want you to note, Peter is pointing us to the the scriptures here. And he's saying, what happened with Judas, first of all, Jesus knew about it, but also what happened with Judas was foretold. Not only is there deceit, corruption, and exploitation by those in high positions in the church, But Scripture knows about it. This was not outside of God's purview. This was not beyond God's planning and God's working. God still had authority, and he knew this was going to take place, and he foretold it in the Scriptures. And so Peter's plan, as he gathers the believers here, at what I suppose you'd have to argue is the first voters' meeting of the Christian church, 40 days after the resurrection, Peter says, Therefore, men, It is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Notice Peter's laying out the qualifications for a church leader. In this case, if they're going to be one of the twelve, one of the leaders of the early church, and to guide them as they begin their ministry, Peter says, They should be with us. They should be someone who accompanied us. Other disciples were with Jesus on his journey. Note, although it's incidental here, Luke does mention the women were present. Even Mary Magdalene, uh, or Mary, the mother of Jesus, is present. But Peter says it must be a man and it must be one who is a witness of all the things Jesus has done and he is the one who must serve in this role, this capacity. There are qualifications. And then they between the qualifications, nominate two people. Kind of sounds like a business meeting, doesn't it? You know, people will joke that meetings are often a waste of time or churches that have meetings are just too structured and organized. But the early church met. These men were gathered and conducting official business and planning for the church and on behalf of the church. They nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas and Matthias. How does the church handle abuse? When our congregations face struggles and leaders must resign and we find that there's something scandalous, we nominate someone to fill the position. We replace the position. And we find those who are qualified and God provides. You see, the Lord of the church still provides. We might sometimes focus on that one out of the twelve 
who betrayed. Or that one out of the twelve might cause us to view the public ministry as a scandalous thing, not worth the time, but the church continues in the public ministry. Remember, there are the other eleven. And those other eleven were called by God to serve and guide his church, Peter says, who will share with us in this apostolic ministry. God equips his church with men who are faithfully qualified and able to serve. And he provides them. Our church body will have several graduates. I think it's about 38 graduating from our seminary who are qualified, willing, able to serve as pastors, leaders in the church. Jesus lives. And to carry us through trials, don't just focus on the one out of 12 who betrayed or hurt and deceived. Focus on the other 11 the Lord did provide, or here in this case, the 12 he restores. The Lord of the church lives and he continues to provide for his flock. And then the believers, it says, prayed. It says, they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen. I don't want us to miss this. Though the apostles would end up either voting or casting lots, as it says here, as they pray, they say, Lord, show us the one you have chosen. Even though when those 38 graduates from our seminary are assigned to various places to serve and the people who assign them to serve by human decision decided that's the place they will go, it is the Lord who through his church who has chosen them to fill that role. Whether appointed, elected, or called by a church body directly or sent to them, God is the one who chose them to be sent and to serve. Lord, show us the one you have chosen. The disciples then, it says, cast lots. The word here actually means to give a lot. And it either could mean they gave a vote or they did sort of what we might call a random lot. And the lot fell to Matthias. And Matthias was added to the 11 apostles. The Lord of the church provides. This first meeting of the church, this official meeting as Peter stands up and addresses them, is concluded as God provides someone who was a witness, who will be a witness, and who will lead the church with the other 11. Now maybe at this point you might look at that and say, but still, how can the church move on after the pain it has faced? How could someone like John Lowe do what he did? How could other people that you might have been familiar with in your life do the exploitive, abusive actions over the church they served? Or maybe it's someone that was a, a Christian parent who abused or exploited their child. How could they do that when they were supposed to protect and to serve and love? You know what? When it comes down to it, David, Matthias, the other 11, all of the disciples were like you. How could the leaders in God's church fall into exploitation and greed? They're just people like you. People like me. Human hearts that have the propensity to act in selfish ways, that seek ways to serve self rather than serving others and have failed to love others. Human hearts that in their greed have done some terrible things. You alone know how your heart has led you. But consider everyone who is graduating from our seminary, every pastor who serves as a leader in our church body, 
is a human being like you. And they have fallen at times into terrible sins. But that's just it. God, the Lord of the church, provides in grace as he cleanses us from our sins. Matthias, the other disciples, though they knew the guilt that was in their heart, they also knew the good news of a God who has no deceit, no guile, and never exploits his flock, but a God who came in perfect love to serve in ministry for the flock, the Lord Jesus who came. And yes, Jesus knew that Judas would do that, but Jesus came to a a world with corrupt hearts. And Jesus called the 11, the 12 who were lost to serve him. And he shared with them the forgiveness of sins, one for him who willingly on the cross took that price. And that's why Peter, the other 120 that were gathered, and all the believers wanted to gather, wanted to continue and carry on in ministry because they had something amazing, a living God, the Lord Jesus, who despite the betrayal of Judas, accomplished his goal. And despite the attacks and betrayal and exploitation that happens in the church today, he will still accomplish his goal to those who know his gospel. And he will send workers who will proclaim that forgiveness, who will provide healing to the injured and the hurt, who will faithfully instruct and guide and lead. And the Lord of the church himself has chosen them. And yes, at times there will be setbacks and trials. But in the end, no matter what Judas did, no matter what any other leader in the church does, Jesus wins. And the Lord of the church will gather us all. And there forever in his kingdom, with him as our head, and all gathered as one, we will find there is no more any deceit, any exploitation, but only love, only peace. And the Lord of the church, until then, he will carry you and all of us through all trials. And he has blessed us on our way and will continue today. Amen.